Hello and welcome to the Damned United podcast, episode four. We've made it once again. I'm Billy Lumsden. I'm Adam Jameson. And thanks again. Hope you're tuning in and listening. It's been a very eventful week. Lots was said last week. Lots happened at the weekend. Lots happened daily. Um, Usually it's Leeds United in a case to ruin our weekends. They're now taking it into their own hands to ruin our daily lives. But yeah, we're here again. Ads, how are you getting on? I hear you're in sunny Anglesey today, so we're recording virtually today as opposed to my lounge. I'm lacking in shortbreads, only a bottle of water here. Yeah, times are tough. Times are tough. And it's even worse that I'm I'm spending these days with some Sheffield Wednesday fans, so... Uh, to compound all of our on-field problems, I'm getting reminded by about them on a on a on a near hour basis, actually. <laughs> so yeah, um, at least we've we've still managed to um, meet up online and, and get the podcast out. Yeah, apologies for any sound issues. Obviously, where we are launching um, this one virtually, so again, apologies if there are any audio issues for you listening in. I've also got a croaky voice from the weekend in Birmingham, so apologies for that one as well. But yeah, Ads, where do, where on earth do we start? I mean, I think we can start with some of the, I guess, negativity surrounding Leeds fans, because we did put something out today on some of the names uh, that we could potentially name the podcast and specifically this episode, and there are some beauties, so without further ado, Ads, I'll reel some of them off for you. Yeah. Ready, set, loan. <laughs> Silly Nonto. Like Leeds, transfer window, the aggressive one. We're doomed, doomed. The relegation clause. The Lone Rangers. And WTF is going on. That one, they're quite literal, but all very good in their own right. Any ones that particularly stick out for you? I've got to say, I like, I like the Lone Rangers. I feel like that could be... Uh... A potential, maybe maybe the 49ers Lone Rangers could be the new name of the football club. Silly Nonzo, sure we'll get on to Willie later on in the podcast. I'm not sure we're doomed. I know we're in a we're not in a great situation. I don't think we're doomed, doomed, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. So thanks very much for for getting in touch. And um, again, throughout the. Entirely, the podcast will be bringing you some coverage on Birmingham, the numerous transfers, outgoings rather than incomings, previewing West Brom, the refusing to play, all of that sort of stuff. And we'll be aiming to answer some of your questions that you've got in touch with. Some not PG to answer, so we can take that off air. But thanks again for getting in touch. And yeah, as we'll uh, get get right into it with Birmingham away on Saturday. 1-0 defeat, Jukovic scoring uh, just before the 90th minute from the spot. Bit of careless defending, stepping across his man from Dan James. What were your thoughts in general? It was a very flat performance, I felt. Defensively, I didn't think we looked too bad. But in general, they didn't have too much... They didn't cause us too much trouble, I don't think. I mean, obviously, we had more possession. They seemed to have the better of the the chances, the few chances that were actually in the game. But defensively, I thought we, I thought we looked fairly comfortable. It wasn't it wasn't a case of we were hanging on for a nil nil draw or anything. I think both teams will have been going into the last ten minutes thinking 
if we can produce one piece of quality, we'll probably win this game. I mentioned we had a lot of possession, but we didn't really do much with it. I know you were at the game. I, I was watching watching from Anglesey and uh, ruining the start of my holiday. Um, but yeah, it, it seemed like we had a lot of possession, but once again, we, we lacked that kind of focal point to to formulate any any real chances to, to capitalise on all that possession we had. What, yeah. what were your thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, I think very similar to you. I think frailties at times in defence, potentially not as glaring as, as previously, but again, just lacking so much up top. And it, it was so existent. And I think you'll you'll see in the ratings, particularly with Gellart, that you know, while everyone was thinking he, he was going to be a superstar, and again, like this is no dig, and you know, I'm sure he will still have a place in a lead shirt, and certainly within the championship and beyond. But at the moment, he doesn't seem to be the answer. Um, so it's an interesting one. I feel like Strike and Cresswell both okay, but there was so much passing going on at the back, and I'm all for keeping the ball and recycling the ball, but. It goes to show when your defenders are having that many touches on the ball and just spraying it left and right, back into Byram, back across, over to Ailing, back across into midfield of the park or into those forward areas and then the ball's breaking down, then there's something that's not quite right and it seemed to be the pattern of, of the whole afternoon really. So, yeah, I was really disappointed with it, especially going in as optimistic as I was, especially yeah. even with like all of the players that were missing very disappointing not to get a result and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we first launched that you had the four fixtures Cardiff, Birmingham, West Brom and Ipswich these two were going to be the games that you'd ideally, ideally sorry, like to get four or six points from and we've ended up with one and that came in the 95th minute of, of the Cardiff game so it speaks volumes really but you know I'm not massively getting carried away with it, we've got 44 games to go but Obviously, as we'll touch on, we are in a bit of a, a dire straits affair at the minute. But you know, yeah, I think I think that 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 striker issue you mentioned and the lack of presence we got, I think it it it's only more visible when you're playing away from home. I think when you're playing away from home, you need that focal point, you need that release where you can ping it up to someone that can act as a bit of an outlet when when we're passing it around the back and, and we're struggling to move the ball forward, you need that focal point who can drop in and, and pick the ball up and, and bring other players in, in into play. And I think it's only ever going to be more apparent when, when you're playing at home, uh, playing away compared to at home. So, yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? It's a little bit depressing. Yeah. We're only two games in. <laughs> Um, if this is going to be the pattern for the year, we may as well give up now. In fact, I'll say we can. You can have your relegation release clause now, mate, and uh, we can uh, go to a different podcast if they'll have us. I'm not coming down to League One. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, speaking of actually, and we will get one of these questions out of the way of League One. Is it a serious possibility of a double drop? So that was from Deck. So thanks for the message. I think. Again, it's probably too early to say. Somewhere to last week, I we said like, is the playoffs completely off the cards? It is very early to say. But what are, what are your thoughts on that question? I can't see us getting relegated. I think, I think there is 
I think he's, obviously it's not been a great first two games, but there is still quality in that side. And I think the the thing I liked, if I'm going to take any positive away from from the the Birmingham game, it would be that we looked very workmanlike, and it didn't look like a a, a group of players to me that we're not going to work hard and fight. The the players that we've got, I think, are, are the right types of characters and we might be lacking quality in certain areas. But, you know, even even kind of Dan James, Shackleton, they, they were running, they were working hard. And I think given everything that's happened, you expect that as a given. But I think we've at least got that in this group of players where at times last season, towards the end of the season I felt like certain players were maybe not doing that running and the hard work and, and the graft when you needed you just it mentioned, you've just mentioned Dan James and runs a lot there and I can hear a lot of groans and people swearing and kicking off as we've just discussed that because I actually thought he was going to have a blinder on on Saturday and I was uh, yeah rudely mistaken you know again he does he does a lot of the hard work but Again, very uh, very poor in his end product and kind of that output as well. So disappointing by the same token. But I guess we can touch on some of those player ratings now, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And again, similar to the Cardiff game, Ampadu and Gray came out on top. Ampadu with an average rating of 6.87 and Archie Gray an average rating of 6.13. So when your top two players are averaging a rating less than seven, then you know you've had a bit of a torrid afternoon. And then, as I mentioned to you before, coming on air, and I, ladies and gentlemen, remember Adam sticking up for Luke Aylin last week, um, telling me not to give him a hard time. Rutter, 3.85. Gellart, 3.8. Aylin, an average of 3.2. I did warn you about Sarika Dembele. <laughs> I did warn you. I, knew, I know what he's capable of out, out on the wing. Yeah, it was not a great afternoon for Luke Allen again, but I just think maybe it's going to take a bit of time for him to settle back into the championship. Yeah, you can if say I'm that again, mate. Wrong. It was so, honestly, it was so, like, they were literally targeting him at It was times. comical, it was comical. And they were dropping the ball in behind him, and it was, it, it was awful to see because he looked... And I know, again, I said last week, and you know, I can't keep saying it every week that you you do have bad games, but he looked so out of his depth in 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 those occasions where the ball was just getting lobbed in behind, and when it wasn't, Sarika Dembele was having a field day up against him. So, yeah, you know, he'll have to come and, and work his way back from that, which will be tough. But you know, <clears throat> as you mentioned there, the depth that's a worrying thing in itself. We couldn't even fill the bench, and we had two keepers on the bench. Like if that's not screaming out to Forty Niners. And Angus Kinnear to get some players in. I know you've got a bit of a rant coming up later about Angus, but like it's staring you straight in the face. Yeah, hundred percent. I think first point on Luke Ayling, it, it looked like he'd just been on a four-hour drying spin in a tumble dryer and then thrown out on a football <laughs> pitch in front of Dembele because it, it it was a little bit it was comical at times watching watching his defending. But yeah, I think. A little bit of patience is probably required with with Aileen. I think it might just take him a little bit of time to get used to the championship again. And yeah, it as I said about Dan James and, and Shackleton, he, he works his socks off, and 
you can't at the stage we're at with players refusing to play, refusing to train and whatnot, I just think that these players need us to, to get behind them now and and back them and, and, and be there for them as a fan base. Because And, and you, pose, you pose a really good point in that aspect as well because, you know, people can slag off and, you know, say all the, the hurtful things in the world about these players that ultimately are having bad performances right now at this moment in time, but currently they're the only players that we've got. Yeah. Apart from, obviously, when you're playing the under-18s and under-21s, but these are the only players that we've currently got that are wanting to put on the shirt and they're wanting to give their all for leads. You can begrudge them if they're not putting the effort in and, and, and the work rate, as you said, but, yeah. you know, ultimately, we are where we are and we fell short the weekend, <clears throat> but we've got a massive game against West Brom on Friday. Um, which we'll touch on later, but for now, we'll leave Birmingham in the past, hopefully, for the foreseeable, and we'll touch on some of the uh, horrific events of the last few days where there's been numerous players that have refused to play, numerous players that have left Leeds United. Um, we'll cover that shortly. I'll dive right into it then. Nonto... Sinistera, Harrison, Adams, countless loans, relegation re release clauses, players refusing to play, players refusing to travel, <sighs> players playing separately, training separately. What on earth is going on? Is there a more opt time for Leeds? Leeds to be falling apart again, to be emanating round stadiums across the UK. Where do you want to start, mate? I'd have thought it had been the Ellen Road Valentine's Fair with the, the circus that's that's going on at Ellen Road right now because that's the only way to describe it. It is a circus and it's in full swing. Yeah, I, I don't know where to start. I really don't. I am so annoyed at the whole situation. Obviously, there's different players to blame. Jack Harrison's obviously gone to Everton on loan. And I think that's going to be a big loss after what we discussed last week. You wanted to keep Nonto last week. And again, what football in a week is, can be a very funny game and, and it can change very quickly and opinions can change very quickly. But yeah. I got Harrison right, though. I got Harrison right on love. He did. <laughs> he did. So maybe, maybe when they realise that he can't take corners, they might decide not to sign him permanently and uh, he'll be back at Ellen Road in the summer. Yeah, hopefully, mate. Hopefully, yeah. I think on on Harrison, I think he's going to be a big loss, and I think to Everton's point, didn't really want him to go there, but I think it's going to end up being a good signing for them. Nonto, on the other hand, refusing to play, I I'm just yeah, I'm I'm a bit baffled by the whole situation, and and really really frustrated that he's he's come out and done that. Obviously, the agent is very similar to Zaniolo, who he tried forcing a move out of Roma not so long ago so you've got the agent there to blame not sure what percentage of the blame he should get and for that level I, I do have an element a very small element of sympathy towards Nonto but you know you, there's there's certain things you don't do it's happened countless times for Leeds United in the past Charlie Taylor Chris Wood to name a couple you don't really come back from that in my honest opinion No I don't think Leeds United is the football club that you refuse to play for and then somehow a week later pull on the shirt and 
go out on the pitch and it's all rosy. Can't see that happening, to be totally honest. But you never know. You never know. The club seems to be genuinely. If he down. plays on Friday, he gets booed monumentally. Yeah, he will. He'll get songs sung about him, and it, it just feeds into that that negative atmosphere that we've got. That that negativity cloud that's that's kind of looming over the club at this stage. But yeah, I agree. I think if he plays on Friday, he gets he gets he, he gets some some probably not not very nice abuse and he'd definitely get booed but it's I just don't the thing I don't understand and the same goes for Sinistera is if you didn't want to play for us and and you've decided that or you think you're going to decide that you don't want to mess around in the championship Fair enough. That's that's your personal decision. That's that's a decision you come to along with your agent. Lots of factors outside of football that that might influence that. But then, why why bother starting the season? Why bother turning up, doing pre-season, starting the first game, looking like you're going to be there and 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 presenting yourself like you're going to be one of the players that 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 could feature for the rest of the season and it's not pushing a move. If you're going to push a move, do it do it at the start of pre-season, not after your first game of the season. I, I, that's what I don't understand. Do you think it is the agents then that have almost found the I don't know, I don't want to call it a hidden gem, but that kind of thing within the contract then potentially that for a lot of these players it's only just been brought to their attention. Yeah. I think these players will have had relegation wage clauses, so their wage will have gone down by a certain percentage and that impacts on the income for the agent at the end of the day. And after a few months of that, the agent's thinking, actually, you could probably get that move to Everton or you could get that move to to a, a higher level and and. and restore that that kind of reduction in wage that they've had in the contract because they've been relegated so yeah i think i think it probably does come a lot from their agents but at the end of the day the player signs the contract the player knows what they're getting themselves into the the harrison one baffles me even more because that was literally four months ago and they've stuck a a relegation loan clause in obviously he'll have had a a wage reduction clause as well. It's just baffling. It was four months ago. I think I read that we were two points above the relegation zone at that point, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even put these clauses in on Football Manager. Never mind on in real life. Which, yeah, it it does it does beg the question: What on earth the hierarchy of the club were thinking? Was it a, a kind of are they just completely inadequate? Are they arrogant and thought that it was never going to come to this? Or is this what they had planned all along and they somehow thought that they'd, they'd kind of accounted for for all of these issues? I'm not sure. And I think we need clarification on that as a, as a fan base. This is, yeah, there's seven loans now that have left Leeds. There's a lot of these clauses were also agreed when Leeds were only two points um, clear of the relegation zone in 2022-2023. So 
it's even more baffling that they've had the arrogance to come out and say, oh yeah, we'll chuck these in because I think we're going to be safe, hypothetically. It is just honestly a joke and I know we'll touch on Kinnear shortly, but another jab is the fact that this came from the second tier pod and these are the transfer fees received by the three clubs relegated from the Premier League during the summer. Leicester have had three players that have left for £79 million. Southampton, seven players that have left for £77 million. And I believe this was actually before the James Ward-Prowse transfer as well. So that's obviously set to increase. Leeds, eight players, which I believe is nine, now nine players departed. £3 million. Yeah, it's, it's, it's peanuts in context, isn't it? And I don't think if we'd have actually... If we had have sold these players, I don't, I don't think... I don't think there's any reason why we couldn't have recouped similar amounts of money to what to what Leicester and Southampton, albeit for less players for, for Leicester and Southampton. But I don't think overall from that group of players, there's no reason why we couldn't have recouped similar amounts of money. But it, it just it just highlights the, the complete lack of planning and lack of foresight and awareness into the situation that we were in last summer, having just scraped up. Uh, scraped up staying in the Premier League and then gone into the summer selling Rafinha and, and Phillips and it, it you just track it back to that point and all the signings since have essentially been a failure and even more so of a failure on, on the contractual front because I can understand this relegation loan clause for if you're trying to bring a, a player a high calibre player who's a little bit above your pay grade to the club last summer in terms of we were a club that just stayed in the Premier League. You know, if we were trying to bring a, a, a high-calibre player of, of European quality to the club, you know, one or two players, you can understand having that clause as a bit of a bit of carrot on the end of the stick to say, you know, if it doesn't work out, you don't need to worry because you'll be able to leave on loan. But to have virtually your whole first team on these clauses is just it's inept and inadequate and I think it 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 shines a light, a very bright light on the way the club has been run in the last two or three years And while we're on the topic Angus Kinnear thoughts? I think he should be sacked I think he should be sacked, I don't, I don't get how anyone could come out and defend his position he's the he has been the chief executive of the football club and he's been involved in overseeing all of these contracts being given out and it's clear that it's left us in a little bit of a mess this season which I feel was completely avoidable and yeah I, I don't understand how he's still in a job really because if we were going to have a bit of a clear out over the summer and, you know, obviously Orta went, Rad Rosani's gone. I, I don't, you know, Kinnear was involved just as much as them two in, in, in the organisation of these contracts and the, the the general oversight of the club during last season. So I don't think you can defend him. I think he, I think he should be sacked. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And, you know, there's a Twitter account that's come out in alignment with... Um, LUFC Trust and it's the actually entitled the Angus Kinnear vote of no confidence 
and some of the some of the issues that you highlighted were in there. There's also the undignified sacking of Marcelo Bielsa, wrongful appointment with his two successors, uh, overseeing of the, the shambolic contract situation with John Kevin Augustin, ten percent increase to season tickets despite the stadium being a dire state of repair, and then the relegation clauses, not ensuring we have a, 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 enough squad depth to fulfil a team versus Birmingham, and then just silence when the club is in turmoil turmoil sorry and the fans are de- demanding answers and you can't disagree with a lot of that you know no. as you say ultimately it doesn't fall all on his shoulders but you know he's got away with it for far too long I think and you know it's coming to fruition now that Orta and, and Rads are also out of out of the uh, out of the club that you know he he's facing the brunt of it and to be honest rightfully so definitely rightfully so I think on Bielsa, I, I, I know, I think listening to the square ball, I know that uh, I think Kinnear was actually against the Bielsa sacking. So, so to, you know, to be as fair as possible on that front, I, 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 I think Kinnear was against the, the sacking of Bielsa. But yeah, everything else, yeah, he has been just as involved in, in the negotiations of these contracts and and contributing to the mess that we're in now. And I think he's actually due on the square ball podcast, I think after the, the end of the transfer window. So that'll be very, very interesting. And I, I, I kind of say that. If he's still there. Yeah, that, that'll be a must listen for, for any Leeds fan. So yeah, if he's still around, he's meant to be doing that at the start of September. So I think he's got a lot of questions to answer for because a lot of these decisions, if you kind of just take a step back from them, they're not decisions that are kind of with the 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 loan the loan clauses, um, and the 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 Jean Kevin Augustine one. If you take a step back from these these contracts in these situations and take a step back from all the hype that you get in in football, they just don't make sense. They don't make financial sense and. I said earlier on, you wouldn't do it on Football Manager, so why on earth would you do it in real life? It's, it's just, it's baffling, and it's led us to be in a situation that's, that's not great at the start of the season, and, and to the point now where I think we've actually, we've, we've scuppered our chances of, of bouncing back at that first that first uh, time of asking. Well, might, well, I know it's early, but I, it I just... Is, it is... It is early and it's your opinion and you've changed your opinion on this a few times. But we'll quickly, come on, we'll quickly come on to these because there's a couple of questions. But I'm not going to say it's a positive because Leo has yelled, I don't, think, uh, I don't think we should let him go, especially not for one and a half million. Other people may say, oh, that's a bargain. Um, or not a bargain as in <laughs> we're, getting, we're robbing someone blind. Um, and I don't think that's the case either. I think he should stay with Leeds. But, you know, on a positive, it might uh, mean that we don't need to announce his name uh, any longer. So there's every cloud on that front. Yeah, it would make the uh, the podcast a little easier. But we have got a couple of questions, so I'll bounce these off each other quick fire before we move on to our final part of the podcast. So this one's from one listener. After the shambles in the last few weeks and showing no signs of it getting better at the minute, what is now our realistic aim for the season? To win as many football matches as possible. Yeah, no, I think. Sorry, Michael Owen. 
yeah, it's a, that's a Michael Owen answer. I, I said that I think we'd struggle to to get in the playoffs based on the the current squad. I, I'd, I'd, I think I'd only be able to downgrade that following the first two league matches. I think realistically, if we can get top ten, that I think that'd be, I think that'd be good given given all the turmoil and the the bad card that Fark has been dealt at the start of the season. If we can get a few more signings in before the end of the transfer window, stabilize what we've got, allow Fark to spend a bit of time with with the with the squad and and implementing his style of football, I think if we were to get top ten. I think just stabilise and then build again next summer. I think that's probably a realistic aim for the season now. You never know. Depends who we sign. Depends who leaves. Yeah, and I think that's that's the big thing. I think, as you said as well, there's 44 games still to go. There's a lot of context. There's a lot of transfers still to unfold. And we've still got another window in which you know we can sign players, which is, of course, in January. So... In terms of a realistic aim, I still don't think Daniel Farker, knowing the guy that he is, will have anything other than the playoffs in mind. I am not to pass judgment on whether I think that's realistic or not, but I think that is where the club will be heading towards, even at this moment in time, and with everything still to unfold, with you know players refusing to play, some players still to be offloaded, obviously Adams potentially to Bournemouth for £20 million. If we can get a couple of players in off the back of that, then... Again, I think anything is is possible in that respect and it's a weird old league regardless of how poor we've been and how bad people think we are at the minute, particularly Leeds fans. Things can change around, change very quickly and you know we've seen in this past week, what's to say next week isn't going to be a better week for Leeds. I don't think it can be any worse, so let's hope so. And then just on this, again, similar to kind of pushing for the playoffs, how many players do you think we realistically need to sign in order to be able to do just that? I think for a playoff push, for me, we need four or five that that are first team starters. I think it looks like Glenn Kamara's close if the reports are true. Apparently we're in for a striker. I still think we need a centre half possibly Nat Phillips and an attacking midfielder on top of that as a minimum. Yeah. And I'm I'm probably in agreement with you there. And I think you've probably been too lenient as well. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, I would snap your hand off for four or five. I, I don't actually know whether we'll get that. Certainly not in this window, but I would completely agree with you. I think we need at least four or five. I was probably going to say six or seven. Potentially not first teamers, but certainly players that we can have in in and around the the first eighteen for squad first. Uh, in fact, I don't even know how many were out on the nine. I think the so first twenty for the uh, for the bench and and jockeying for position within that team because at the moment it's far too easy for those players that are playing poorly every week to you know get another starting spot because there's literally no one else to play. So yeah, I agree with that. I think Tom Cannon, who was on loan at Preston last week, is has been rumoured. He he might not be the worst in um worst in the world. Cameron Archer, another one from uh, Villa who was on loan at Borough last season, had a very good season in the attacking area and I think again I'd snap your hand off for him if he offered us in now. But from the reports it doesn't look like he wants to move to the championship. He wants a Premier League move. So 
you know, that'd be a bit cutting if we can't get either of those over the line. Chris Wood's been rumoured, but then everyone's been jumping on the bandwagon of him refusing to play a fair few years back. So, yeah, you can't you can't really win at the minute. And then, obviously, Nat Phillips as well. So, I agree with you. I think five, six, seven through the door that are established first teamers or will go on to be established first teamers has to be the way forward. It has to be the direction that we want to head as well. So... Remains to be seen what business we still do. We've still got a couple of weeks, so we've got we've got hope ads. Yeah, I think we do, we do need a bit of perspective as well. It's been two games. There's still time left in the transfer window. We always make good January transfer signings anyway. Um, <laughs> in in, uh, in years gone by, I don't think we can rely on the Jan- January transfer window so much. But yeah, I think we need a bit of perspective. The players, to me, look like they've. They've not got over last season yet, which is quite common when when teams get relegated. We've we've not hit the ground running, and I think if if Ellen Road's a bit of a cauldron on on Friday night against West Brom, and we can somehow nick three points from somewhere in in one of the upcoming games, it'll breed a whole new life of confidence in, into the players. And um, yeah, you never know what that might do because we've not won a league game since, is it? Was it the Forest game in, in, in April? It's a long time, and I think we've yeah. only won 11 competitive games since Bielsa was sacked. Yeah, so we For context, is a day before my birthday, 25th February 2022. Yeah, I remember the day, sadly, very well. And <laughs> yeah, so I think a couple of wins, some confidence back in the players. Yeah, you never know what, what could happen. Perfect. So speaking of West Brom, we'll be touching on that very shortly in a Friday night football special. West Brom at home, Friday night. Going to be a weird one. I think judging from uh, the ticket sales that I've seen, it doesn't seem like it's going to be one that's sold out. It probably will be by this time on Friday, but... It's very, very strange that we're in the position that we're in and, you know, it's probably no surprise given the last couple of weeks that we've had and we've seen in terms of the players going and whatnot. So, yeah, on TV, under the lights, Friday night special, Pablo Hernandez, 16 seconds. He was back at Ellen Road the other day. We could could do with him coming back and scoring a beauty again within the first minute. That would be nice. But, yeah, I think we'll touch on West Brom first, Ads. What... What do you expect to see from them? Obviously, they've got some very good players and established championship players as well. Obviously, Semi Ajayi, Matt Phillips, Furlong and Townsend on, on the wings as wing-backs. Josh Maggia now too as well from from Bordeaux after he was on loan at Stoke. So, you know, I think there's a lot of decent talent there for West Brom. They've started hit and miss. They went down 2-1 at Blackburn, but they beat Swansea 3-2 at the weekend, despite only having three shots on target and a known goal. So, not convincing, very similar to us, but, yeah, what do you expect to see from them? I think they'll be a tough outfit to play against. I think when you looked at, when the fixture list came out, you were looking at the first three games, you're probably thinking, West Brom is the toughest out of those three. They've got some really seasoned championship players in their squad and <laughs> they've had a few strange seasons really haven't they since they got relegated from the Premier League and I think they'll be one of them clubs that 
that really will be will be thinking of themselves as a team that should be in and around the their the playoff spots come the end of the season. I know there's a lot of clubs that that kind of look at themselves and think we should be there thereabouts, but I think West Brom will be one of them. And yeah, it's just not in in some of the seasons it, they've. Since they got relegated, it's clicked. Some it's not, and I'm sure they'll be hoping to make sure that this season's one of the seasons that that clicks for them. Corberan, we obviously know all about him, and uh, yeah, I think if he he's got the the quality in that squad to to make them a threat to to most teams, and I think there'll be nothing but that on Friday night. Certainly, yeah. Uh a nicer outfit than the team he'd previously managed at Huddersfield. And for context, that was in 21-22 when he guided them to a third-place finish, only third to Fulham and Bournemouth, beat Luton in the playoff semi-finals and then obviously went down to, to Nottingham Forest in the in the final at Wembley. And that was, again, in alignment with a bit of a dodgy decision that could have gone their, their way on the day. But he's obviously a very talented gaffer. West Brom, on the other hand, they finished 10th that season. They finished 9th last season, but just three points off the playoffs. Obviously went down to the final day in their case as well. So he knows what he's doing. And, you know, while he hasn't got the the championship experience that Fark has, you know, he's going to bring in a very tough-to-beat, as you said, consolidated side that's going to defend well and look to play, if not on the break, then some very fluid attacking football as well. So it'll be an interesting one to watch, and I'm really excited for it, to be honest. You know, I'm excited to get this, hopefully, this past week behind us, where obviously film recording on Tuesday, and there's three days to go until the Baggies game. So, again, lots can happen within that time, but we'll see where we are come Friday. And, it, you know, one thing for sure, it'll be a very decent game with two very established top English sides so that's West Brom touching on us now where on earth do we go after this week you know it's going to be very difficult for Factor. I don't think motivate his players I think you know obviously he's kept Sinistera and Nonto away from the rest of the team in training and I think that's the wise decision they trained on their own today so I think that's a good thing firstly but secondly you know it's there's a lot of unrest around the club at the minute and that doesn't help with 11 players when they go out on that pitch and you know they're expected to put in a performance in front of you know whatever it is 32,000 35,000 on Friday again very similar to the crowds of previous if things don't start going our way then is it going to become a bit more of like a Goodison Park and the the Goodison booze that <laughs> we're so accustomed to over the last couple of years so you know they've got to do a job but there's a lot of you know young inexperienced players that have to deal with that burden on on um, on Friday, you know, Cardiff was a different story. There was a lot of optimism surrounding the start of the season. There's two games now that have gone. We're on one point. It's it's not a must-win game, but it's a pressure game, that's for sure, especially with everything that's gone on this week. I agree. It's it's one of those games that you can I can see I can see us coming out, getting an early goal, and the atmosphere will be absolutely roaring. You can see it on the flip side. We come out. You don't want to be that player to make that mistake that leads to conceding a goal um, early on in the game, and then the atmosphere just, you know, uh, dissipates a little bit. And it, I can see it going both ways. But 
I'd like to think that given everything that's happened over the last week, that the fans will just get behind the players that are starting and all we want to see is players work hard, continue developing on on, on the implementation of the, the style that that Fark's wanting to play because I think that that is the one positive from, from the football side of things so far this season. We've seen a very distinct change in terms of the style of football we're playing and we can you can see what the players are trying to do. You can see the tactics that we're trying to play. It's just that at the moment we're lacking players in certain positions that kind of fit the jigsaw or complete the jigsaw. And yeah, at least you can you can see what we're trying to do. And I think we just need to, as a fan base, get behind that, buy into that and make Ellen Road a, a hospitable place for the opposition, not, not our own players. Coming from the man that will be booing inside the first minute on Ellen Road on Friday. <laughs> Only the has done previously. <laughs> Missed the negative himself, but yeah, no, you, you you do pose a very good point. As as much as we've you know had our fair share of negativity throughout this 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 episode, it's time to to look on towards Friday. You know, we'll be releasing this on Wednesday, Hump Day, great day by the way, my favourite day of the week, and it is it is going to gear into optimism. It, it just naturally does, and everyone will be saying on Friday, oh, we're going to win, we're going to win tonight. And that's certainly my way of thinking. Um, you know, not saying it's the right way to do, and, and probably very deluded, but yeah, we are in the position that we're in, and there's nothing ultimately that we can do right now to change that. We've just got to, as you say, get behind the team and, and try and enjoy some decent football on Friday. For sure, for sure. I think... I remember when we when it was the Friday the Pablo Friday night game. I remember that game, and I remember being incredibly nervous all week. Obviously, complete set, different set of circumstances. Uh, obviously, it was it was completely different. But I've got that that same tension inside me this week approaching the Friday night game, and I feel as though it's it is a pressure game. But I think we've just got to forget what's happened now. We, we we can't do anything about all these dodgy contract negotiations. We can't do anything about Sinistera, non-turn, not wanting to play. We, we can't do anything about that. Harrison's gone. Adams might be going. Who cares? Who cares? At the end of the day, come Friday, 7.45, there'll be 11 players out there on that pitch. 11 players, of which possibly three or four will be academy products, which is something we've always had a strong academy players coming through. They're players that 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 get what it plays for to play for Leeds United, and I think yeah, there'll be eleven players out on that pitch that need us, and we just we've just got to get behind them and make it make it an atmosphere and try and try and encourage them to to put in a performance and and get us some points on the board. Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. So finally, last but not least. Next up, we've got our predicted 11. I don't think it'll be too hard because we don't have that many players left. And our score predictions. Final part of the podcast, predicted 11 and a score prediction from ourselves. Ads, you weren't far off with your score prediction from last week. I've got the results right for both games, just not the, not the score lines. 
Mr Negative, I hope you're going to channel some of your positive positivity you've shown today with your score prediction, which I do think is going to be one of our toughest ones yet. But we'll start with predicted 11 first, Ads, if you want to start. I think it'll be similar to Birmingham. Obviously, we've not got many options in terms of in terms of players, given that we were naming three goalkeepers in the squad last weekend. So I think, yeah, my, my back five... I'm going to go for the same. I think he probably want to give he might want to give Joe Rodon a little bit more time, but he might feature. Personally, if we were going to start Rodon, I'd, I'd potentially start him instead of strike, but I don't think Fark will do that. I think if if he does change change it up, I think it'll be Cresswell that drops to the bench. Midfield again similar. I've gone with Gray and Ampadu in midfield again. I think they're doing a, a good job in there so far, first two games. The attacking three, I've gone with James, Joffe and Perveda. I think Joffe will play in the camera just behind uh, in the hole behind the striker and I'll, I think Ruter will be back in place of uh, taking Shackleton's place in the starting line, I think he'll be back and fit, hopefully. So, uh, Rita up top. How about you? Yeah, I'm very, very similar to you, and I know we discussed this before coming on air, so I am going to say it to be slightly different. Ailing comes out. Again, I'm, I'm on the fence with you, mate, to be honest. I know you mentioned you could see Byron going to right back and Stroke going to left back with Rodon and Cresswell in that centre-half pairing, which I think would be a pretty decent back four. So I will go with that. Ampadu and Gray have been propping us up very nicely within those first two games, as you said. James and Perveda, I don't think will change. I think Perveda will probably play through the middle. Ruta will be on the right, and I think Gellar will keep his spot up top. Again, I think there's a handful of players that you could easily drop if you had the, the resource and the depth to be able to do so, but... I don't think that's going to be the case. And again, I think it's going to be another struggle for those 11 players that are starting out for us on, on Friday. Score prediction? I'm not sure why, because it goes against everything I've been thinking about this team so far this season. But I think we'll win 3 1. <laughs> another I've crazy, a, I've another crazy game on a Friday. Yeah, I've just got a feeling we're going to. I've just got a feeling that the fans are going to be there's going to be some anger in the in the crowd and I think if we can channel that and and make it a a top atmosphere I think the players will feed off that because I thought the Cardiff atmosphere was a bit flat to be honest and yeah I think there's going to be a bit of anger in the air on, on Friday night and just hope it's the positive one and we get off to a decent start not necessarily goal but at least show the signs early on within that first 10-15 minutes to give us a bit of optimism and something to shout about absolutely Definitely. agree with that what do you think uh, goal wise I think, I, I think yeah I, I'm going the, the opposite well not the opposite way but the negative uh, the more negative way I think it's going to be one all I do agree I think we'll see a bit more of a positive performance because you know, I don't think we can get much worse than, than the one we saw at Birmingham. So I think we'll see more positive performance, but I think, it'll again, it'll be a tough game with a side and an outfit that's that's well-drilled and managed under Corberan. So 
I'm going to go with one, a one-one draw. I think. Okay. Interesting. Well, you almost the negativity this week. Yeah, I am. But you've got the better of me so far, so it's time to see who gets the better of each other this week. Um, and I believe that's all we've got time for this week. It's another jam-packed, juicy, spicy episode with lots to come. And, you know, if the, the, the week that's just gone is anything to go by, then another one's on the horizon and we're going to have just as much to chat around next week. Adam will be back in person next week, so we'll be able to chat a bit, a bit more nicer and uh, across the audio with no hiccups. Fingers crossed anyway. We don't have any hiccups on this and you can hear us all right. So, again, if you're listening you've got this far, we're amazingly astonished. And thank you very much for listening to the whole episode. And, yeah, again, next week we'll be obviously reviewing West Brom, previewing Ipswich. I've got off to a, a blinder this season. I'll be rating my time on the Vine branch, which, thankfully, I'm not on Uh the trip to Ipswich, so, and Adam will be reviewing his trip to Anglesey. So we've got loads to chat around next week, and that's minus for football. So I've been Billy Lumsden. I'm Adam Jameson. And this has been the Damned United podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>